We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to the future award-winning Talk About Flow podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. You can find me on Twitter, at Pat Moran Tweets. Big thank you to everyone out there, as always, for continuing to listen and download, support the show. It truly means the world to me. If you have not yet subscribed, please go ahead and do that. You can subscribe on whatever platform that you enjoy listening to podcasts on. New episodes every Tuesday, new episode every Friday, and random bonus episodes scattered throughout the month. I never know ahead of time when they're going to drop. They just do. So when you subscribe, new episodes automatically get sent right to your phone or device quite literally as soon as they are published. Coming up on today's show... I'll tell you what, I'm really excited about this one, and let me tell you why. So I've been doing this now for over three years, over 300 episodes in. At this point, there's not a lot of people in Buffalo when it comes to the Buffalo Bills or just sports and media, period, that I haven't had on this show at any point. Whether it's mainstream media, alternative media, podcasters, bloggers, whatever. I've had, for the most part, a very vast majority of sports and news media personalities on this podcast. But today's going to be a first. I got Drew Gare and Chris Kruger from the Rock Pile Report on, and I'm really excited to talk to these guys for a couple reasons. And I'll tell you, one of them is they've been doing the Rock Pile Report since all the way back in 2015. Now, I know in some ways that doesn't sound like that long, but I'll tell you what, for podcasting, man, that, that could be an eternity. Podcasting hasn't been around for that long especially in certain fields in genres. And there's not a lot of Buffalo Bills podcasters out there that have been around for that long. They've been around certainly longer than I have. Let's put it that way. Almost twice as long, in fact. But uh, anyway, I'm, I'm just looking forward to talking to these guys about uh, their process, uh, the relationships that they have in the Buffalo podcasting community. Um, Drew, who, by the way, man, that's a funny dude. I'll tell you, it's a funny dude, whether it's on Twitter I've seen a bunch of videos that they do to kind of promote the show. Some hilarious videos. I got a chance to meet Drew once downtown Buffalo a couple years ago. We kind of had a little pod gathering. I can't remember the name of the place, but it was a a taco place downtown in Buffalo. It was a good time. But anyway, I met Drew. And so, yeah, we're just going to talk about their show and, and the process and all that stuff. And of course, plenty of Buffalo Bills talk. Plenty more coming up in just a few minutes with Drew and Chris. Following that interview, by the way, at the end of the show today... I got a couple Buffalo Sabres thoughts. 
the trade deadline has come and gone. Taylor Hall is now a Boston Bruin. I'll have some thoughts on that, how the teams look recently. Uh, nothing crazy, but yeah, a couple thoughts. So make sure you stick around for that. Before I get into today's show, again, with the Rock Power Report, quick programming note here. I'm actually going to be in Buffalo later this week. My son, Shane, is um, the spring football game for Clarion University. Shane's going to be playing football next fall at Clarion University in Pennsylvania. And they got their spring game. And the coach wants all the incoming recruits for the class of 2021 to be there for the game. So my son and I are going to fly up to Buffalo on Thursday. And I think we're going to be there for four or five days. And then Saturday, we're going to take that two and a half, three hour ride down from Buffalo to to clear in for that game. But anyway, that puts me in Buffalo for a handful of days. And I'm always excited about that. Now, on Fridays, every Friday, I do casual Friday with Dell. And usually we hook up, obviously, um, I'm in Florida. He's in Buffalo by phone or you know over the Skype or whatever. But pretty cool. I'm going to get a chance to actually go to the 26 Shirts office on Thursday. I've never been there before. And uh, Dell and I are going to sit down and do the show in person. So very much looking forward to that. And I also got a few other things cooking right now. Not official, so I don't want to say anything definitively yet. But let's just say that I do have plans to tape a couple shows while I'm in Buffalo at a couple of different locations with a couple really cool guests. So we'll see how that plays out. But anyway, that's coming up later this week or so. As for today, I don't want to waste any more time. Let's just get into this. This is a conversation. I've been looking forward to talking to these guys for quite a while. So I'm excited about this. So here it is. My chat with Drew Gear and Chris Kruger, the guys from The Rock Pile Report. All right, I am joined right now for the first time, and I said this at the beginning here, I can't believe it took me 313 episodes to get these dudes on my show, my bad entirely. I got Drew Gear and Chris Kruger from the Rock Power Report with me. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Not much. Not much. Just sitting here. We're cracking a beer. You know, podcasting. That's how things get done. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to do this empty-handed, right? I would love to have a drink right now, but I can't. I got to go to work at 11 p.m., so. Well, let's just put it this way. I'm drinking a water, so only one of us three is uh, doing his own thing, and I, I don't want to give it away, but his name is Drew Gare right now. <laughs> I was going to say, that, that, you know what? That's, that, that's like a a thread. Like if you look back over the course of my life, that's a common theme. There's, <laughs> there's anybody in the room with an open beer in their hand. It's generally me. <laughs> so when I started my podcast back in, it was early 2018. I decided that I was going to do my show like around late fall of 2017. And I started doing a little bit of research to look at other podcasts and around the Buffalo area and, and see what was going on. And long story short, there wasn't a lot of them, man. There was only a very small handful. And this is just going back three years for everyone out there listening. The rock Pile report has been around since the fall of 2015, man. <laughs> Guys are like, I know this sounds ridiculous to say in a way because October, 2015 don't sound that long ago, but in comparison to a lot of the other popular or newer Buffalo sports or Buffalo Bills themed podcasts out there, you guys have been around just about as long as anybody out there, man. What, what was the inspiration for you guys to start the show? Let's start there. 
That was mo- that was mostly uh, that was mostly me. I worked in radio. I used to live in Atlanta. I worked for WCNN, the six eighty, the fan. I interned at seven ninety, the zone in Atlanta, which that radio station. I interned on Mayhem Nam with Steak Shapiro, Nick Cellini, uh, Mike Bell. They eventually, after I left that show, they got fired for making fun of Steve Gleason, like national headlines. And they, wow. they got fired. I got to work with a lot of the top radio people in Atlanta. And radio was just never my thing, never my thing after seeing how cutthroat it was. Then I came up here to, I moved back to Buffalo. And I went and saw Robert Kelly at Helium. And he had promotional posters for his podcast, YKWD. I had no idea what a podcast was. And I met him after the show. He gave me a promotional poster and he explained what a podcast was to me. And my head went off. I was like, oh, I could produce a podcast and have my own brand and not any of this stuff that you get in the radio industry. And so it took a minute for, I guess, mine and Drew's work schedules to team up because I used to be on a second shift back in the day. And then uh, we got it figured out and well spent summer of 2015 doing a couple of test recordings. Now here, uh, what Chris is too nice because he's, uh, Chris is a nice guy for all the nonsense and the guff that I give him. He's a nice guy. He's stupid hair, but he's, he's a nice guy. <laughs> what he won't tell you is that where he drew me into this because he knew we wanted to do a podcast. And this is before he and I knew each other. We weren't really for shortly thereafter. We weren't really friends in the way that friends would hang out at this point. But he was introduced to me at a bar that's now Mooney's on Union Road in West Seneca. It's now, it's now called Mooney's. It used to be Tony Rome's. Mm-hmm. My ex-girlfriend and his ex-wife were best friends. And it was the first night that he was going to meet me. And it just happened to coincide with playoff football. I think that was, I think that was uh, planned from the get-go. Well, let's go watch playoff football because it's the boyfriends are meeting each other. And you want <laughs> and there's be- sports, so there's a buffer yeah. activity kind of right. thing. Right, yeah. You want, <laughs> you're, plan- you're planning on like, okay, can we do future double dates? So, so- – so Chris walks through the door. Now, it's playoff football season. So I've been drinking since kickoff of the first game. And you're talking about <laughs> Baltimore Ravens against the Denver Broncos. The, 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 that, that mile high miracle. He walks into the bar. He's introduced to me. And 30 seconds later, Joe Flacco throws an 80-yard touchdown to tie the game with like 30 seconds left in the clock and force overtime. And he watches me throw a chair, come unglued. Just, I'm just yelling, raving. The Bills aren't even playing. He's like, this guy just loves football. Like, what? This guy's a maniac. And then spend the rest of the evening just aggressively inserting myself into people's sports conversations. And he was like, if I could find a way to harness this drunken maniac, I could, I could make this sound good. <laughs> this was literally your first meeting physically with each other, too. Yeah. 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 What we, year was that now? What, that, was, I can't remember off the top of my head. It was 2014. That was no, uh, no, that January was, of 2015. No, no, it was no, it was, we, no, no. Cause you spent two years trying to convince me to do a podcast. Well, it was close, close to that. Uh, I think it was the 20 January, 2012, because I had just came up 
That's true. I yeah. came up Jan- uh, November 2011. I moved back to Buffalo. And then, you know, I immediately started dating my ex-wife. And then, you know, we met a couple months later. And at- then a couple years later, we had a podcast. And yeah. it was it was definitely- How did that come about? Like, how did that come about for you? Like, what was the ultimate factor in deciding that, you know, you said that- um, that Chris was trying to convince you for for a bit to do the podcast. What ultimately led you to to wanting to do it? Like, how did that ultimately come about? I I think what happened was I was I'm just gonna do it. So I bought a mixer, mics. Ever I spent like we don't have high end equipment over here. I spent maybe about two hundred dollars. I figured if I get the basic equipment and I can get into his apartment. <laughs> Set everything up, put everything in front of him, and then he'll he'll just get it. And it it took it, it took a little breaking and entering, but yeah, you, you didn't it, get it. <laughs> you didn't get it from the get go because if you listen to our early episodes, oh my God. it like Drew does not sound how he sounds now. Well, no, because nobody does. I mean, ultimately, he wore me down. That's what happened. He was like the guy trying to bag a girl who's too good for him, but he just wears him down over time, and finally. <laughs> But I came to the conclusion in my head that if what he wanted to do was build a portfolio for himself so that someday he could do something with audio, then I, I want to help my friend. Right? I want to give him a, a portfolio of work where he can say, look, I can do audio production. I understand equipment. I know how to set up a podcast. Great. That's And then for me, it was I could drink a couple beers and talk about football, which I could do for hours any day of the week with anybody. I could sit here to my wife, God bless her. There's days where she's like, you talk for two hours to me about football. I don't remember any of it. She goes, I'm not even listening half the time, but I know you <laughs> the sounding board. That's what the podcast became. And so my actually some of my interpersonal relationships got better after we started doing a podcast because I had a place to take all of this football sports talk in my head and just dump it somewhere where it couldn't hurt anybody who didn't want to hear it. Now, I went back before we started taping this a couple hours ago. And I actually listened to a nice little chunk of that first ever episode, which again was October of 2015. No, no, no. Now here's the thing for a debut episode. And again, this shouldn't be surprising considering that Chris comes from radio. The production value was really good. You know what I mean? Like the flow wasn't there. The chemistry wasn't quite there. Obviously you guys were just getting to know each other. And at least in podcasting form, it takes time to build chemistry. You guys know that, but on the production, the audio side, it was pretty damn good. And again, I know you go back there and probably say, oh my God, it sounded like shit when I first started. I know I do. Like on this show right now, I go back to my earlier episodes and dude, I mean, I got really lucky pretty quickly. I had some amazing guests. I don't even like to put those clips out because (laughs) I sounded so bad. Like my microphone, everything from my microphone technique. And it wasn't even necessarily that I had shitty gear. I said, I didn't know what I was doing. Like with it, like I had no idea how to actually edit. I would record an audio and I have, sometimes I have some breathing issues because I have COPD and I tend to be a little breathy. So I would try to get rid of the, you know, that kind of noise that you can make on the mic. Sometimes it could become a distraction. It's okay to sound natural, but sometimes it becomes a little distracting. Anyway, I would over edit and it would cut off and you would, and my voice would just drop. Make and sometimes copy. lower syllables in mid-sentence. So. It was horrifying to look back. But anyway, I go back to your earlier episodes. Production-wise, I thought the value was actually really, really good. I could pull up, like, I could look at the waveform right now of this recording and just 
look at the waveform and point out and go, that's Drew breathing into the mic heavily. <laughs> I, I just know what it looks like. He's spent years trying to make a professional out of me, and it hasn't worked. I still <laughs> I still wander away from the microphone as I'm speaking. Our, it's become a gag, though, with our listeners. And ultimately, I think if you're going to do this, you almost have to have a certain amount of self-depreciation. You can't take yourself too serious. Right. That's been part of the growth of our show. And that was a big part of us finding our chemistry because when we, I look at people who start podcasting now and I say to myself, you have such a wealth of stuff out there that you can look at and that you can refer back to and you can say, hey, if I do my research before I launch my own podcast, I can kind of figure out some concepts that I like, some concepts that I don't. It's like Baskin Robbins. There's 21 flavors out there that you can go and taste, taste test. And decide how you want yours to be. And you can pick up different people's techniques, different people's. It's like stand-up comedy in a way. How you mm-hmm. can watch other people do what they do and kind of develop your own craft based off what you like and don't like of what you see out there. For us, we were flying blind because there was no corollary for what we were doing. There was two other podcasts, uh, Dave Palermo and the Numb Bills Fan Podcast. There was Joe Biscalia and Matthew Fairburn and the Bills Beat. Bills and Beers. And there was Bills and Beers, which is run out of the Chicago Bills backers. And everyone's format was different. But that was it. You had four shows. And you picked between those as far as what you wanted to listen to. Now there's upwards of 40. 40. Just that talk about the Bills that I know of. Just the shows that I know of. And I'm sure there's others out there that I don't. And so when you're trying to first start out in that kind of environment, I mean, if there was any advice I could give to anybody who's just getting started, don't get discouraged because it's going to suck and it's going to be hard. And building a following, especially now when there's so much selection. I mean, when we started, we started taking off probably about it took us two and a half years to really start gaining traction in terms of downloads, social media following. I think it took us two and a half years to find a schedule of everything as far as it relates to. This is the way we're recording during the season, coming out of the season, draft season. It takes you all this time to develop this stuff because you don't have anything to compare it to. Now, I feel like for people who who are just starting out, there's so much competition for ears and eyes that it's almost the same dynamic, just backwards. Because here, people weren't looking for podcasts, so it was hard to get people's attention. Now, everyone's looking for a podcast. It's just there's too many to pick from. But it's there the, is. There's a lot. <laughs> but it's the same problem. It's just you can't get discouraged. I know early on, I it's about two and a half years in, I had a come to Jesus moment while I was sweeping out my garage because I was just like, I'm going to quit. I just don't think we should do this anymore because it's not going anywhere. No one's paying attention to it. And my now wife, then girlfriend was like, well, don't you enjoy going over and catching a good buzz with your friend and just shooting the shit? Of course, Wilder. Yeah. I'm like, obviously, I love that. She goes, well, then you're the guy who's lived. She's like, you, more than any other man I've met in my entire life, doesn't care what people think about him. It's why you're shirtless in bars, just casually, just hanging out. It's why you, she's like, you can walk around with, without getting braces. You've made it to 35 with bulldog teeth, but you've, you've actively avoided braces because you just don't care what people think. So why do you care about this? And it took a while for that to set in. But once it did, I just became more comfortable with all of this. And I think that that's what people really have to embrace is if you're not comfortable, people hear that. 
Did you imagine at that time when you guys first got this ball rolling, you mentioned the very few other podcasts that were out there at the time. Did you imagine that it, this would become a market like it is now where, again, even just in the Bills market alone, the Buffalo market, and a lot of people, and we talked about this, a lot of the most popular Bills podcasts are from dudes who ain't from Buffalo. But just, <laughs> you know, the, the market, I, when I say Buffalo market, I mean by talking about the Bills, but mm-hmm. it is a heavily saturated market. And you spoke on this, and I completely agree with you. You got to have something that's a little bit different about your show than the next person. I figured out very early with this show. I said, if I'm going to talk Buffalo Bills, why is anyone except my family and my closest friends who think I'm smarter than I am going to give a shit what I have to say personally? That's when I made a decision that I'm going to base my show on getting guests and kind of stripping it down a little bit and talking about their life and their career and eventually transitioning in the Bills talk or Sabres talk or whatever. One thing I really enjoy about your show is it's obviously Buffalo Bills is the primary focus, but you guys spend a lot of time talking about your personal lives and, and stories and ongoings. And that's kind of what draws a lot of people in. You know what I mean? It's like, you're a podcaster. I hate to say like, this isn't wrestling, but like you're a character in a way, you know what I mean? People want to hear about your personal lives and you guys do a really good job of including what's going on. I like, I heard on a recent episode about Chris's injury and you having COVID and these were things that, you know, you guys talk pretty openly about it. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. But anyway, did you imagine at the time, even just a handful of years ago, that the podcasting game, so to speak, would get as popular and as saturated as it is now? No, I, you would. I thought it, I thought it would, would grow just from, for me being in radio and production and already listening to a ton of podcasts when we started, like not, not even sports related, I'm listening to a lot of comedy podcasts, but I just knew that podcasting was just growing in general. Plus there's no regulation to podcasting. Nobody can tell you, you can't have a podcast, which I wish there was. <laughs> that, right. that there, there was somebody that could say like, no, you can't have a podcast because you're not good enough or do you still need practice Do you hear this see and this is what i'm talking about this guy over here the perfectionist mr oh listen you should see the conversations we have with each other some of them we had a hot mic incident earlier in the year where he got in all of his editing skills he missed one and it was him cussing me out for being trying to be a perfectionist and it was one of the perfect i'll say this fans some people weren't happy about it but it was one of the perfect moments for our show Because it's who we are. This is what happens behind these microphones is we cuss each other out. We're friends. He stood up in my wedding. But we'll dog talk each other a little bit because that's who we are as people. And I think that's a big part of this is that there's this many podcasts and they've blown up because the the format's more convenient, right? Technology has advanced to a point now where there's unlimited data plans. When we started this, unlimited data plans were hard to come by. Now everyone has them pretty much. Mm-hmm. So streaming podcasts, downloading and listening while you're at work, these things have become so commonplace where just as long as 2015 ago, that wasn't the case. I think one of the things that you have to do if you want to stand out, though, is just you have to be yourself. And if you because there's nobody who's you, there's a million people who talk about the Buffalo Bills. There's nobody out there, probably for their own benefit, that's Drew Gear, who can do and be me. Who do what I do. I mean, Greg Thompson hit the nail on the head. We met him 
for the first time two years ago, two years ago in person at an event that when you know when Eric Turner comes to town, we'll throw these get-togethers at Deep South Taco, and we'll get all of the local bloggers, podcasters, everybody who does it, people who just want to show up. We have everybody out for dinner and drinks, and you just get to hang out. And it's nice because you get to put faces to names. You get to talk to people in real life, not on social media. So you get more of a feel for who a person is. And it's a it's a bonding thing. But Greg met me. And at the end of the night, he looks at my wife and he goes, it's he's he's like, I came here convinced that this guy like it was a shtick that he was this person for the podcast because it was entertaining. And now I'm it's real. This is just him. And he <laughs> and so he goes for better or worse. And then he told my wife, he's like, God bless you. Thank you for taking him off the world's hands. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I was there that night, by the way. I was really quiet. I didn't know many people. I kind of was like almost like underground. It was a couple of years ago. I was actually yeah. there that night. I remember I met Aaron Quinn there. I already knew Eric, uh, or not Eric. Um, Aaron I already Quinn, knew. Owner of Western New York's worst facial hair hairdo combination <laughs> oh we know about this constantly i i mean we have a we have a, a chat that we use mostly to talk about grilled meats but I mean, constantly i go you're bald and you have a chin strap it's like, that's like building a staircase that doesn't go anywhere what are you doing? <laughs> we met yeah i met aaron I also, and then I went to meet Nate, who's been on, Nate Gary's been on your podcast like 150 times, I think, at this point right now. And uh, yeah, I was kind of in and out. I briefly met you, but like I said, there was so many people around and oh yeah, I didn't stick around. I was like in town for like two days or something, but that was a good time and a good thing. But yeah, I hear what you're saying. It's just about being yourself and you know, you're not, like I called you kind of a character, but you're not. That's actually authentic and, and who you are. And that's what makes you guys relatable. Now, Chris. You come from radio side and you're talking about the growth of podcasting right now is radio an industry that even if you could work in, would you want to given the way things are going? No, no, not at all. And, it, and it's mostly stems from it's not if you're going to get into radio, whether it's production or hosting, it's, it's something that I've heard Colin Cowherd say a lot. Like when you get into the into that business you got to go start in El Paso, Texas or some podunk market that's not top 10. I was li- I went to high school in Atlanta, went to broadcasting school in Atlanta. So I tried to get my start in a top 10 market and that didn't necessarily work out the way I had hoped because I saw a lot of cutthroat things happening within radio. When I was at 
CN, uh, WCNN 680, the fan, there was a, a production director. His contract was up. And so he was, I guess his agent was kind of discussing with the station owner on a new deal and they hadn't worked anything out. So he was working past his contract. And so he just abandoned any negotiation, hired a different program director. They came in for their first day and the receptionist like didn't know what to do. So called the original program director to let him know that the new program director is here. And then he went over into the station owner's office and was like, I thought we we're still like working on a contract negotiating. And he was like, no, you're fired. And wow. like that. Yeah. Like and if I, you're the guy coming into that situation, you're like, oh, hey, I'm coming here on my first day and I got to look this guy in the face and he knows that I'm taking his office. And then I have to stand here and watch him box his stuff up and slink out of here. Like that's just. Ah. Yeah. There's a lot of that that I saw early on in my radio career where it was just, it just turned me off to wanting to be in TV and or radio. And then with like with this, with podcasting, you know, Drew and I created the rock pile report and it's a brand. It's ours. We own it. You know, I, we don't have anybody above us telling us what we can and can't say. Thank God. Yeah. It's, that's <laughs> why I love podcasting because it allows us to be us. It's funny. You're right. Uh, so you're now a member of Blue Wire. I remember the we had actively avoided some uh, overtures from similar networks in the past. And something about Blue Wire had just it jumped out to us. Chris, mostly because Chris had done a lot of work and research on who they were and saw how well positioned they were in this podcasting network marketplace and said, Drew, we should really think about this. Let's at least take a call. And so we sat down with Tyler Chin, the director of operations. And one of the first questions I had for him after he gave us the pitch and he kind of explained what the network was about and what their, what their, what their long-term vision was. And one of the first questions I had for him was, okay, well, I'm going to drink. <laughs> I'm going to drink. <laughs> Maybe sometimes do excess. Do you have a problem with that? And he laughed. He was like, hey, it's your show. You do what you want. Because they're radio guys who spent a lot of time in radio. So they understand how that world can handcuff you from doing things that are creative and that people want to hear. And so in that way, I feel like you have to find that for yourself. And I think that radio right now doesn't give anybody that kind of latitude. I think that it's a dying, it's like paper, it's like newspapers. It's a dying medium in the sense that it's never going to totally go away, but it's never going to be what it used to be. And whoever got in on this thing first, this podcasting, doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be you know, better positioned in the long haul than anybody else. But it, you know a little bit more. You're a little bit more nuanced. You're a little bit savvier. And it's on everybody else to try to catch up. Yeah. Now, the name Rock Power Report, did that come to you quickly? Like, what was the process of coming up? Did it just uh, pop in your head? Did you flirt I, with other names? Do you remember? We, no. And I would, sit in the well. So here's the thing. I'm a 10-year season ticket holder. Um, mm -hmm. the last year would have been my 10th. And it was a kind of a kick in the teeth anniversary for me and my buddies, just not being able to be there all season. But we were bouncing ideas back and forth. And I was like, well, I sit in the rock pile and that's I'm watching the game and I'm coming up with these things in my head that I want to yell about. But nobody in the stands wants to hear me. I mean, sometimes they do. Sometimes they do anyway, because that's who I Our am. Our first ever test recording that we did, we it's on microphone. It's on a recording where. 
you were like, what do we call this? And then I just said, I don't know, Drew Gears Rock Pile. And uh, I guess somewhere from there, some one of us, I don't know who it was, one of us decided to add in report and just call it Rock Pile Report. I like the way it flowed. There was some alliteration there. I liked it. It was nice. I, th- plus I, might, I might have been half in the bag. Plus, we've had some people early on tell us how great of a name that was, and they wish that they would have thought of that. Yeah. And I like the fact that it's because one of the things, I mean, you talk about all this explosion of podcasting. One thing that we've watched, and I won't name names or air anybody's laundry, but we've seen it where people pick names for things and people go out there. And now I have a background in journalism. I hold a degree in it, even though I work in finance. And I understand copyright law because I had to. Because it was taught to me, it was drilled into our heads when we were in school that this is, these are things that you have to understand. You have to know how to navigate these channels. The rock pile is a term that fans coined the old War Memorial Stadium. It was never anything official that was owned by the team. It was never anything that was previously copyrighted or that could be previously copyrighted. So for us, when we were kind of fleshing this out at the beginning, I'm like, here's something that everyone's going to know what I'm talking about when I say the word rock pile whether it's the old stadium or, or it's placed in the new one. So it kind of bridges the history of the team in, into current day. But also, no one can come slap my hand for copyright infringement. We've seen podcasts come out over the last two or three years who have at some point, you know, the, the, almost a victim of their own success, get their hands slapped and have to yep. rebrand and have to change things because they borrowed too much from the team or from – another entity that had a name similar or the, so I, we got lucky in that regard, but it was also kind of my thought process. Nobody owns this. So I can never, no one's ever going to come yell at me because we're using it and it served us really well. I like the name a lot. And it, it just, it rep- if you're from Buffalo or you know, Buffalo, it just, it, it's a name that fits. I asked that because I always like, like to learn the process of like how people come up with their stuff. My podcast, we'll talk in Buffalo podcast, wasn't originally talking Buffalo podcast. When I first started my show, I actually called it the Moranalytics podcast. And I did that. A buddy of mine, I was lost for names and I knew it was going to be a sit down interview type show. And he, he used my last name, Moran. So Moranalytics, it's just kind of a, a, a wordplay with my name. And I liked it at first, but as the, as the podcast, which I had no expectations for, as it grew in popularity and some more people started to learn, or I would be at a store and people were like, you know, somehow a podcast would come out. Hey, I have a podcast. Well, what's the name? And I'd have to say Moranalytics Podcast. They'd look at me like, huh? And it had no, like it had no identity. Like 90% of my people, I don't know that I intended on having just Buffalo people on my show. I, I, I think I had more of a, an aim towards national sports media people. But at, at, Buff, Talking Buffalo became more about Buffalo. So that's why ultimately I switched it. But yeah, that was the worst, dumbest name I've ever heard. Of. Ah, <laughs> so bad. Don't beat yourself up, though. That's the thing. It's part of the creative process. Yeah, it's all right. And you not- have to whiff on a lot of things. There's a lot of bits. Like, that's one thing that I'll say about Chris and I. Like, how he said he listens to a lot of comedy podcasts. And that's actually how he did the idea of this our show even came about. I listen to – I'll download every Buffalo Bills podcast that exists. Simply because I like supporting what this is. 
Sure. I I, there's not enough time in the day to listen to all of them. Right. But I spend a lot of my time. People are shocked when they find out that I'm not sports podcast guy. I'm history podcasts. I'm a lot of comedy podcasts. And it's one of those things where you kind of <laughs> like you're talking about rebranding and uh, just trying to explain what it is to people. I feel like you have to have a certain amount of, I mean, Chris, you know what I'm talking about here. Like there has to be an identity to what you're doing and it has to be representative of who you are. And it has to be, you have to be comfortable in what you're doing and you start to develop your own process. And through that, we figured out bits like you're mostly an interview style podcast, right? We're kind of a hybrid of, we have some interviews, we do our own spin on or takes on some of the news and the current events that are going on with the team. Yeah, like Seagram bets. I think that's a you thing. You came up with that. And then like during football season, when we when you come over for a night of podcasting, we uh, we keep track of how much we drink during the season because we were Beer out, of the, yeah, out of the playoffs has- for so long. Let's keep track of how much we drink during the whole season. And it turned into a contest between our listeners, stuff like, and you miss on so many bits. There's so many sure. things. It's just like trying to do stand-up comedy. I guess is what I'm trying to get at here. You're going to try a million things and nobody hits, you know, no, nobody's batting a thousand. You're going to whiff sometimes, but you have to try it. You got to try to work out something that's funny. I mean, one thing that we started our very first season and it came to me just kind of out of the blue because I was miserable. I really thought when we started the podcast that I was going to be talking about bills in the playoffs because Rex Ryan told us so. Rex Ryan said that we were going to the playoffs. <laughs> and then I'm sitting here in December going, what the hell? What happened to us? How did we end up here? So I'm miserable and I'm looking for a reason to keep showing up here and doing this show every week. And it occurred to me as I'm watching Seinfeld one night, you're a, you're a TV sitcom guy. I'm watching Seinfeld reruns and the Festivus episode comes on. And I was like, that's what we need. We need an airing of grievances for the bills. And so now five years running, we did it the first year and it took off. We put it out to Reddit, Twitter, all the social handles. And we said, look, you guys are probably just as angry as us. Tell us everything that grinds your gears about the Buffalo Bills this year. Whatever your biggest grievance is, let us hear it. We're going to read them on the show and we'll give away free pizza gift certificates to the ones we think are funniest. And there was an overwhelming response to it. You never know what's going to work and what's not. You just got to try stuff. And you can't be afraid to try a podcast name that might not be great or to try some bits on your show that may not land. Maybe it doesn't, but maybe it takes off. You know, I mean, we've got one that we do, which thankfully this year we didn't have many of them. Whatever the Bills lose, we have a segment devoted to people who have it worse than Buffalo Bills fans that week. And we, I mean, I remember one week we talked about Pete Davidson because he got dumped by Ariana Grande right before they were supposed to get married. And I was like, <laughs> he say, and I, I remember my opinion being, we might've lost to the Cleveland Browns, but that guy tripped and fell three inches short of winning. Like he almost won the ugly guy lottery. For a guy who looks like a donkey, he almost snagged one of the hottest women on earth. And you're like, (laughs) if you you think we feel bad, we lost to the Browns. That guy really lost. And it puts it in perspective for you because we're petty. (laughs) It's part of our our charm. You talked about Rex Ryan and 
as I kind of transition a little bit into football talk here, I want to talk about this. So again, you guys started the podcast in 2015, which means you covered the Bills and you talked about the Bills during those 2015 and 2016 seasons. The Rex Ryan era, 8-8, eight and 7-9 eight, and nine for me personally. That was peak frustration with me for the Buffalo Bills. Now, there's been far worse teams, far worse records many, many years. But that era of football for me, considering the talent on paper on that football field for the Buffalo Bills, I, for that reason, I think Rex Ryan might be the worst coach who's ever been in Buffalo when you factor in how much talent and potential that team had. How frustrating was it, especially for an emotional guy like you, Drew, to to cover a team. I mean, you get into the podcasting realm here in your first two years before they get in playoffs in your third year, but you're talking the Rex Ryan era. How maddening was it, those football teams, how good they should have been on paper and how shitty they played on the field, man? I I can't even accurately articulate the ways. I mean, those. The, and, and the worst part is that now our listeners, it would have been audio gold. Except at that point in our podcasting career, I wasn't unbuttoned enough and comfortable enough behind a microphone to truly articulate just how angry I was. But everyone else saw it. I mean, we tried. Okay, perfect example. Chris bought brought his entire computer, his PC, the mixer, because unlike you, he doesn't have a remote setup to take for. He brought his whole computer, all of the microphones, everything over to my house. Yeah, this is where uh, it's uh, we tried something. Okay, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so <laughs> we're talking about trying something and whiffing. So it's the Bills playing the Jacksonville Jaguars in London. I throw a party at my house the morning for the game. I get a, 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 a Topps breakfast sheet pizza, which if anybody doesn't know in the Buffalo area, Topps breakfast pizza is elite. For everything else, they stink, but their breakfast pizza is better than anything else that you can get in the area. Breakfast pizza, five Magnum bottles of champagne, orange juice for mimosas, the whole thing. I invited like 20 people over to my house. Two-thirds of the people I invited all went out the night before and got so drunk they were hungover and couldn't make it. So now it's just me, Chris, and my then-girlfriend in my basement wet bar watching the Buffalo Bills spot the Jacksonville Jaguars 21 points on just turnovers in the first half. Uh, what a pair of a pick six, a fumble return for a touchdown. EJ Manuel was just having the worst game of his entire career on national TV. First thing in the morning, Chris brought all of his equipment over under the guise that we were going to record an immediate post game podcast. Maybe there'd be some other people there. We could get their, you know, their opinions on the game and whatnot. Chris made the mistake of watching me get obliterated out of rage during that game and then putting me behind a microphone. I got about 15 minutes of audio and then I just went back through it and then I could probably cut it down to two and a half of just just (laughs) epic rant. We recorded it for we recorded for 40 minutes and out of it, two minutes was usable. That's what happened. That's peak. That underscores what the Rex Ryan era was. (laughs) Just this. Drunken haze of frustration at the Buffalo Bills. Chris, were you a little more, are you in general a little more even keeled about the Bills? Like, are you less emotional when they're playing well or or playing bad? Like, Drew, I'm kind of like Drew. I, I fall more in line where he does. I get a little, like, I don't have a live show like a lot of these Bills podcasters who go live right after the show because I would completely lose my shit a lot 
if I had to do <laughs> I'm, that. So, I'm very, like, what's your te- what's your temperament like? I'm just very even keeled. You know, like if like when when I'm watching the Bills and like something bad happens, my immediate brain reaction is like, well, okay, well everything's not gonna go correct. You know, there's gonna be a mistake or two, and you know, I most of the time I'm well, I watch games with Drew, and and we're just like the complete opposite. I like I understand things don't go planned if Josh Allen throws an interception or a pick six or you know when he tries to be a hero. I just like keep it even like in my head. I'm like, oh, Josh Allen trying to be a hero because he's been trying to be a hero his whole career. So like I I get why he's doing that, and then I got somebody over here on my left who's just losing their mind, I'm screaming like, into pillows. Like, yeah, like oh, we gotta get we gotta get rid of him. Like Drew goes to the end. Like no, <laughs> no, gotta get rid of him. He's awful. Get him off the field. He Josh Allen threw an incompletion. He's the worst quarterback I've ever seen in my life. Get him away <laughs> from my. It's like he just threw an incomplete pass. Like. You're going to have an incompletion during a game. That's just what happens. And, and here's what I've learned, Pat, is that sometimes, though, that level of brutal honesty, even if it is, it's never coming from a place of like hackery is what I would call it, where you're trying, you're, you're being outraged for the sake of getting attention. It's genuinely how I feel. And when it's, when it's pure emotion like that, people have a, 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 they understand it more. People are more like my friends, the people who come over who watch games with me, my family, Chris, everybody who's around, they've just come to, it's like you either accept it or you just don't come over anymore, which I don't fault you for. If you're like, wow, I can't watch games with that animal. I get it. Trust me. I understand. I don't hold it against you. Well, plus when I'm, when I'm even keeled, that's why we have all these Drew Gear gifts that go on Twitter. Cause I'm, (laughs) I'm watching a lot of my time spent watching the bills is, I'm watching Drew watch the Bills. So, and <laughs> yeah. even when the game's happening, whether it's, you know, we're getting blown out, we're blowing somebody out, or it's a close game, I still have it in my mind. Like, I got to record this guy and make gifts for yeah, the internet because of, Twitter loves it. My wife loves the fact that half of Chris's enjoyment of the Buffalo Bills is derived from watching me watch and react to the game. Uh, we we had a running joke this off season about uh, or this I guess in season about how we should start an OnlyFans. Except it's just a live stream of me watching football and throwing wicker furniture around in my bed. <laughs> that, that, that's happened a couple times. But no, I mean it's it really is like it's a thing where the bills are just so rooted in my just my personal life, my my family's history, the relationships that I hold with people that I do get emotional about it. And I, I don't feel like, I feel like trying to mute that. It's just not, it's inauthentic. And if you're going to do anything in life, be authentic, whatever it is. One thing I, I enjoy too about your podcast, and I should have said this earlier, is you're unapologetic about it being a fan podcast. Some people try to have a podcast where, um, like say the Bruce exclusive, for an example, I, I love Bruce, man. And to me, of course. he might be the best podcasts are in the game and i've said we that talked about many it times yeah. chris and i are one of the only people on the planet or at least among bills fans who not only know exactly what he looks like but have met him multiple times in person he's actually sat here in studio with us with his wife and we had pizza and wings and talk. he's a yeah. great guy he's smart 
he's he we, we laugh all the time that he's quote quote unquote one of the smart people and he laughs that we call him that because it's just like oh you smart people you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. he well i consider him arguably the best bills podcast of there is when you would just knowledge and and delivery and, and just everything about what he does but anyway my point was his takes his views tend to be less fan more analyst even though he is a bills fan whereas a show like yours man you live and die with the bills and how they do and i and you're not a you know you're unapologetic about that and, and i really respect that about your show because there's too many shows out there where they're trying they want to be objective but then if they're if they're saying they're objective, but then they're not being objective, it comes it comes across wrong. You guys don't do that. No, well, what it is is it's it's intellectual dishonesty, and I, but I wouldn't even accuse anyone of that. What I'd say is that everybody wants to be liked, right? Everybody wants sure. people to think that you're smart, and to, now I could sit here and tell you about while well, I was on my COVID ten day quarantine, I built a database of all of I showed it to Chris and it blew his mind. Because I waterboard him with charts and data analysis and trend analysis because at the end of the day, finance is what I do. I dabble in accounting, trend analysis, data analysis, it's what I do professionally. So that gets dragged into how I have to make sense of football in my head. And I do a lot of my own in-depth research and I come up with a lot of weird statistics or a lot of interesting finds. I create, I used Kent Lee Platt's uh, relative athletic score. And I created a database that I can now update year over year over year of every draft pick that he's ever made based on relative athletic score broken out by size grade, speed grade, what their highest and lowest scores were, and then a depth chart so that we can see how that, what different position groups look like. And we can start to build an idea of the archetype of player that Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott prefer at given positions. And it'll help us prognosticate free agent moves and draft moves. I love the nuts and bolts of football. I love the X's and O's of football. But sometimes what happens is in the pursuit of trying to be liked or trying to come across as, hey, I'm a knowledgeable Bills fan, people neuter themselves from the emotional aspect of it. And really, at the end of the day, what this is, it's an emotional thing. I love this football team. It's a part of my childhood. I mean, a story that I've told on our podcast, and I'm going to tell it on yours. My father and I, football is what we did together when I was a child. And then the home run throwback happened. I mean, I thought the Super Bowls would break my dad. The home run throwback happened. And that was probably the most defeated I've ever seen my father, ever. And then he stopped watching, like not stopped cold turkey, but over time he just, as the team plummeted into just chaos and just became this dismal thing. He just gravitated away from it and he floated off into the ether and found things to do on Sundays. And he and I kind of grew apart. That coincided with me becoming a teenager. And I mean, I'm sure you've experienced maybe, I mean, maybe not, maybe you, because of your son and football and your love of football, you guys had a different relationship, but me as a teenager with now nobody to watch football with, and that was the kind of the base thing me and my father had. And I'm already a teenager, and I'm already a wild card, as you can tell. Like, it's gotten better as I've gotten older. but <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we grew apart. And I would tell Chris, I'm like, I realized that my manic, like, that's what happened is I started looking at the Buffalo Bills as I need them to be good. And over time, I realized it's because I wanted that relationship back with my father. 
I needed that. But in order for me and him to be able to sit down and watch this game to get like, because that was huge for me, they needed to be good. And I kept thinking in my head, I found out, I, I had to look back and I kept thinking, you know, if the Bills were ever just good enough, if I could will them to be good enough, then my dad would start watching again and he and I would have our, we would grow our relationship together again. And that became the driving force behind this mania that I have about the Buffalo Bills. And it took years for me to realize that that's what was happening. But meanwhile, I'm this maniac about football and no one can understand why. And I didn't even really understand why. There's this emotional tie we have to this thing. And so to neuter yourself from that, just to try to feel smarter about it or to seem more appealing to some average, some random person on social media, I just, I just can't, I can't sign off on that. I can't, I can't get on board with that line of thinking. Yeah, I agree. All right, so before I let you go, I'm going to ask you a question about this offseason and kind of one big umbrella. Your take, like, on the offseason, again, we're not going to go through every move. We don't need to do that. The Bills signed 12. They've had a sneaky, busy free agent um, period right now. They've signed 12 unrestricted free agents. The only name, the big name is Emmanuel Sanders, of course. The other 11 guys are all ranging from depth to potential roster battle guys. On the flip side, John Brown is the one notable guy that they lost. Actually, I take that back because I think Dean Marlowe was a sneaky loss too with this team. But generally in an umbrella right now, so this is a 13-3 and team that won their division, got to the AFC Championship. They're the second best team in the AFC. However, I think they're the second best team in the AFC right now, or at least at the end of last year anyway, by a pretty substantial margin. I mean, Kansas City handled them pretty uh, easily twice. When you look at this offseason, what have you liked about it the most and what have you not liked about it the most? Because you could go either way here. Again, a lot of team friendly. I actually, I could be wrong, but I think every free agent contract that they've given to a new guy who's come in has been a one-year deal. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive that I'm not. So there's a lot of team friendly deals here, short-term deals. And that's good because they're not committing a lot of long-term money to guys. But at the same token, you're trying to catch Kansas City. Have they done nearly enough to do that? Like, what's your take on that? Here's what I think. I think when I look at what they've accomplished, you see you see the losses, okay? You lost an aging second wide receiver who was starting to show a little bit of the wear and tear of being a smaller guy playing the wide receiver position for th- more than 30 years. Yep. You lost a Pro Bowl kick returner, and then you lost a lot of bit players that ultimately didn't make a giant impact for you. Dean Marlowe might, might be my, like, that's the loss that stings was Dean Marlowe because he was good, solid depth who, as we saw in that week 17 game against Miami, he shined. He almost had three interceptions. He was hammering wide receivers on the field. And he hasn't been replaced. He's the only guy who they lost who had, they haven't replaced in some form or fashion. Yeah, exactly. And so that's the thing that I look at. I think to myself, that's a good off season when you're mad about a backup safety. Not getting retained. When you look at what they did at the other positions, I think the most important thing for you to walk away from this, is into, especially heading into the draft, Brandon Bean has proven that he's he's a pragmatic guy. You know, he doesn't when it comes to negotiations, he has a number and he's willing to let talented players walk if they don't meet his number. He's also not willing to go into a draft with a glaring need if he can avoid it. You know, we've looked over the numbers and we've charted, you know, all the stuff I like to aggregate. 
We've charted the fact that unless he has to, and he has no choice, Sean McDermott loves benching rookies for as long as possible. He makes them beat out some, even if that rookie has more talent than the veteran ahead of him, he gives them a whole season to try to take that guy's job. Mm-hmm. And it's happened, you know, Matt Milano and Ramon Humber. I remember screaming in 2017 about, I didn't understand why Ramon Humber was playing over Matt Milano because Ramon Humber sucked. Well, eventually Matt Milano won that job, but the time he spent marinating trying to take that job is probably what helped his development and landed him here now as one of our prized linebackers. There's a process here. <laughs> you trust the process. It's this. It sounds sticky, but it's real because they have an idea of what they want to be. Bean doesn't believe in going into a draft with a, I have to have this pick, and that pick has to play immediately. So what you've seen is they've taken a lot of flyers on these small one-year deals, but they've also not left themselves any glaring holes. They're essentially the same team with some upgrades in depth at linebacker, upgrades in depth, uh, I'd say it, not, not, I don't know, arguably defensive end, depending on what you think of Obata, uh, the, the guy from Carolina they signed. Ultimately, they haven't left themselves a lot of work left to do to field the team that could at least replicate what last year's team was. Which is the, uh, that's like the million dollar question though. Last year's team was great. They were the second best team in the AFC, clearly. But, you know, if you're looking at it from the other way, you got you got to tell yourself, shouldn't, should they be going all in right now, trying to make a couple maybe big moves to propel, propel them and push them over the top over Kansas City? So that's kind of, like well, playing devil's advocate. It, you didn't have the cap space to do it this year. Right. The cap is going to go up next year. And for everybody who's banging the table for a Josh Allen contract extension, it's a complicated animal. It really is. Because you're they're trying to do what, I'm sure, what the Kansas City Chiefs did with Patrick Mahomes. And we want to get him locked down to a big deal that makes him happy, that makes him comfortable, that gives us long-term control over this critical piece. The first franchise-looking quarterback that we've had in 20 years, and at the same time, doesn't hamstring us from a financial standpoint right now. Because you have this window is closing of not having to pay a quarterback. You need to maximize that, spending your money elsewhere on the roster, and use that to propel you to a Super Bowl, like the Chiefs did, like multiple teams have done over the last decade. With the falling cap, you were kind of screwed because you didn't have the, the flexibility that you probably wanted to have to go chase some of these other free agents. So you want a big move, but the thing is this year isn't your make or break year. Next year is. The cap is going to go up. You see all these one-year contracts. You said it yourself. Most of these players aren't guaranteed to be here next year. Right. It's all- these guys are all auditioning for a role on a team that's still going to be competing for a Super Bowl next year. Not just yeah. in 2021, but 2022. And 2022, with more cap at their disposal, they've got some contracts they're going to fall off that they can backfill, hopefully in this draft with rookie talent that's cheaper. That's when you make your home run moves because that's really the end. That's where your window is going to close. So I think this year they've done a good job of navigating that. I think, and this is the bottom line for me, when it comes to free agency, I think they just kind of replaced some of what they lost and maybe some minor upgrades. Like I do think Emmanuel Sanders, if he can stay healthy, will be better than John Brown in part because John Brown was starting like you talked about, man. It's starting to break down a little bit. Uh, Trubisky, I think, is a 
an up, he is an upgrade over Matt Barkley. Hopefully we don't have to find that out. <laughs> generally, generally speaking, I think that was just kind of maintaining the team. Ultimately, for people who say, and again, playing devil's advocate, well, they didn't do anything substantial enough to overtake the Chiefs. This would be my argument, and this is my bottom line. If they're going to be better than the Chiefs, it wasn't going to be because they threw some money at one or two free agents or swung a big trade. For me, it was going to be, A, of course, the obvious Josh Allen playing like he did last year. Last year, not being a fluke, and that's who he is as a quarterback. That's number one. But even more importantly than that, or as importantly, the younger core of guys on this team that do still have room to grow and be better players than they were last year. Guys like Ed Oliver and Deion Dawkins and Tremaine Edmonds, even though he's a pro bowler, I think he could play much better. Um, Gabe Davis, uh, A.J. Epinesa going in the year two. These guys taking a step and being better than what they were last year, I think ultimately that's what's going to make this team the NAFC champion. Not going out and getting one or two big-name pricey free agents like a J.J. Watt, although I would have liked him, but... See, and I, I wouldn't. And this is where, and this comes back to the, again, we talk about how I try to mix sports intelligence with just the mania of being a fan. Sure. We, every year going into the offseason, I make a chart and I break down defensive ends. I call it the, I do it because of Kyler Fackrell, a defensive end that nobody knows anything about because he's not good. But he had one season where he had, I want to say 10 and a half sacks. And he kind of came out of nowhere. And Bills fans had been high on him in the draft. So now they're saying, look at this, a third round pick with 10 sacks. The Bills screwed up. But you dig a little deeper and you look at this and you say, I want to look at how many snaps that player played. And I want to dig into the nuance of that. On all of the snaps he played, how many, whatever his stats were, his sacks, his disruptive, his disruptive plays, as I like to call them, uh, pressures, tackles for loss, sacks, the percentage of sacks per pressure. And then you take a look at what that means in terms of efficiency, and it helps you develop a value for a defensive end. J.J. Watt is one of the most overpaid defensive ends in football for what he gives you on the field, not just last year, but the year before last. Mind you, he's an often often injured defensive end who just played over a thousand snaps in a single season. That's lunacy. For somebody whose body is already kind of brittle, to know that he's coming off a season where he played over a thousand snaps, like the tread is worn off those tires completely. But even more, the reason this dynamic makes sense is because this Kyler Fackrell guy, he gets 10 and a half sacks. Everybody loves him. But you look in the numbers and you say, well, he had 13 total quarterback pressures. He converted on a ridiculous number of them for sacks. That's not sustainable. That guy, he will never do this again. And sure enough, the rest of his career, he's been a complete non-factor in the NFL. Trey Hendrickson is the same guy. Trey Hendrickson just signed a massive deal with the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. But he was converting pressures to sacks at a 41% rate. You're never, like, that's not sustainable. TJ Watt is talked about as one of the better defensive ends in football outside linebackers in terms of, a, in terms of pass rushing. He only converts at 25%, but he's held 25% his entire career. And he generates 60 pressures over the course of a given season. You look at that and you say to yourself, these home run type play, uh, plays in free agency that teams make, a lot of times don't pan out. Team, you watch teams like Miami throw money around in free agency and then not make the playoffs. Why? Because there's no efficiency to the guys they're getting. You're paying for, <laughs> you're, you're buying a straw man in terms of production. 
And the Buffalo Bills did a great job of avoiding all of that. For yeah. that, I think Brandon Bean's a genius. Last question, and this is for both you guys, and then we'll wrap here. So you joined Blue Wire and also made some changes to the podcast. Now, after the draft, and hopefully COVID winds down and we can start to getting back to you know, more normal shit in life, uh, what are some things that you guys are going to look to do with the podcast like over the next few months going into the summer before training camp to kind of get you through the training camp? Because, again, Rock Power Report's been around for a long time. You haven't been doing two shows a week for very long, right? How long have you guys been doing two shows a week? Two shows since we signed with Blue Wire last uh, July. Because one of the things we found is that when we were doing this for fun, when we were doing it for kicks, just for, <laughs> did it for free, our shows had ballooned to almost two hours and 10 minutes apiece. Yeah. Which is fine. There's nothing wrong with putting out two hours of content in a week. But there's something to be said, and I know people will talk about, oh, you're double dipping. And Okay, you can say what you want about how somebody breaks up their show, but what I found is that people don't want to hear. We actually saw an increase in our numbers when we cut it in half because an yeah. hour is something that's more palatable to somebody. Yeah, agreed. So in season, we still got the same numbers we always had, right? But then – what we found was that off season, nobody wants to hear two hours of Chris and I getting drunk and rambling about football <laughs> when it's two straight hours of it. Whereas if you broke it up into two shows, that's more palatable and people have responded to it. Two so plus two plus hours or more is a lot. And even like Joe Rogan, who has the most popular show in the world, half the reason why I don't listen to some of his episodes I better really like that guest because it just feels like such oh, a big if I see it's three hours, I love Joe Rogan's podcast. And if I see that it's two and a half hours, I'm not listening because I know I don't have that kind of time to invest. But anyway, so you guys started doing two shows a week last, last summer. But by that time, it was getting close to Bill's training camp. So you started to have a good amount of content. You guys know this as fans and doing a podcast now for a handful of years. Once that draft is over and maybe there's a little bit of period... Then you start getting a lot of downtime leaning up to training camp. Like if you guys started to think about now that you got two shows instead of one during this offseason post-draft, like some of the, the bits or, or things that you're going to do to kind of like pass that time to get yourself to July, late July and the training camp. Oh, for sure. I don't think we've really discussed much of it, but I mean, as far as what I could say, you're going to be doing a lot of beer reviews. <laughs> here's, here's, <laughs> here's, here's what I love. Chris handles the audio production and he defers to me on essentially, I'd say 95% of the content creation. He defers to me on because he trusts that I'm going to come up with something interesting every week. And I have some things on tap like, okay, so here's one. I've been talking, well, I'll talk about it on your show. We haven't even talked about it on ours. I'll talk about it on yours. We've talked about this with Nate Geary he's a friend of the show. He loves coming and just sitting around and drinking beers and talking football with us. Cause it gives, right. as we talked about earlier in the show, kind of a callback to our previous conversation. He gets a freedom here that he can't get at the radio station. <laughs> so he can sit down, drink a couple beers with us and talk shop the way he wants to without having to worry about somebody coming, a PD coming down on him because he said the wrong word or, well, someone might find that stance controversial. Who gives a shit? Okay. It's a podcast. <laughs> Right. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to listen to it. We, and, and, and I'll tell you what, if that's your audience, they're not listening to our podcast anymore. So right. 
doesn't matter. So with that, I've been picking his brain about this. One of the things I want to do, we have a recording of Jerry Sullivan. Okay. Jerry Sullivan immediately, he was on Joe Fair, uh, Joe Biscalia and Matt Fairburn's podcast immediately following the introductory press conference for Sean McDermott. And he went on their podcast and lambasted the idea of the Sean McDermott hire. Compared it wow. to uh, Greg Williams. Compared him to Greg Williams. He talked about how it's another typical gutless Bills hire. We're going to get him on our show so that we can just talk about it. Because here's the thing. As somebody who used to hate Jerry Sullivan when he was actively writing at the paper, I've now come full circle to where I can appreciate what his role was in the local media. Sure. I appreciate the fact that even if sometimes he was being heavy handed about it, he was trying to bring about – it was forcing people to look at the other side of the coin through a non-homer lens of here's your football team. Here's why we're mediocre, even if you as fans hate to see it. And there's a part of me that misses him. There's a part of me that misses what he brought to the table. So we're going to have a sit down with him and we're going to talk about that. And then we're going to play that audio back for him. And we're going to talk about if his feelings and thoughts have evolved on that front. To me, this is the type of stuff that the offseason is built for is for you to go out there and find things that are that you care about, that are newsworthy, that other people might also care about. And it is hard. This is going to be one of like the offseason is always a minefield in terms of trying to navigate how you're going to create content. But if you can think a little bit outside of the box and you can start thinking about what it is you care about in terms of football, you'll find it. Yeah, I'm, okay. go ahead. I'm, not, I'm not one of, of a mindset of if I have an idea or if Drew has an idea to do during like a downtime, like May, June, July, I'm always of the mindset. Yeah, let's try it. You know, I'll press record. We can give it a sh- give it a shot because you don't know you don't know what's gonna hit unless you try it. I I agree fully. I'm glad you said Sully too because I'll tell you what. I know fans have had a love hate relationship for him for many many years, but I promise you this: as somebody who's had an opportunity to interview, not all but most of the Buffalo mainstream media people that have worked with him through the years. I promise you, man, there is not a guy in that press box. Well, he's not really in the press box anymore. But there's not a guy in the Buffalo sports media that the media likes more than Jerry Sullivan. They love that dude. I mean, very and, popular and that's guy. It. And that's the thing is when you see a guy who loves sports as much as he does, like it's clear he loves sports, especially in his post-Buffalo news kind of professional cycle. He just loves sports. So there's something, there's some honesty to that. So when people say, well, he was just saying he was trashing our team. Yeah, but how much of that was deserved? How much of that was competent organizations that deserved to be trashed? And we just weren't emotionally prepared enough to receive that. I want to have that conversation with him as a guy that I once famously, in the very first year of our show, I said, look, I'm going to mail him. I was like, if anybody knows his address, give it to me. I'm going to mail him a check for $100 preemptively because when I see him, I'm going to egg him. (laughs) <laughs> and, he can, and he can pay for his dry cleaning. And now to know that I've come full circle on this about him as not just a not just a writer or as a, as a radio personality, but just as a person. And I've gotten this because I've gotten older. I've grown. 
I want to have that conversation because it's cathartic for me, but I also think it's a fun conversation that other people would want to hear. And it's that type of stuff that I would urge anybody out there doing this to go find, go find the things. That's what this downtime is for, is to scratch the itches that you've developed. Yeah, for sure. And you know, again, Jerry, right or wrong, always came from a place of experience and knowledge with football. He was the worst hockey columnist in the history of the world. Dude, <laughs> go to one or two games a year and just write the most scathing columns ever and not have to go in a locker room or, or deal with them. But anyway, everyone, give give the guys a follow on Twitter at Rock Power Report. Check out the podcast. Part of the Blue Wire Network, my Blue Wire Network family now. Apple, Spotify, everywhere podcasts are found. Wednesday and Thursday, again, Drew Gare, Chris Kruger, Rock Power Report. Thanks a lot, guys. Man, this was a lot of fun. Thanks. Of course. All right. Thank you, Drew and Chris from the Rock Power Report. So real quick here, before I get out here, I kind of hinted at the top that I would have a couple thoughts on the Buffalo Sabres. And as always, let me preface this by saying this. I do this when I'm on my own here and I got thoughts. I ain't Mike Harrington or John Vogel or Chris Baker or Joe Yurt and Lance Lazowski or Chad Dieter any of those dudes. I don't try to pretend like I'm some kind of Sabres expert, but that said, I got opinions and here's one of them. When it comes to the draft, I saw on Twitter, not the draft, I'm sorry. When it comes to trades leading up to the trade deadline, Sabres Twitter's kind of been on fire. A lot of pissed off fans over the compensation that they got for the guys that they gave up. Here's my take on it. Who gives a shit? Who cares? I mean, seriously, it ain't that big of a deal, okay? Taylor Hall, Eric Stahl, Brandon Montour, none of those guys did much to help this team win, and they were going to do literally nothing to help them win in the future because they weren't going to be here. Would it have been nice to get a first-rounder for Taylor Hall? Yes, of course. But you know what? The dude's got two goals, and I know what the advanced stats say, and I know how lucky he's been. But your boy's got two goals, all right? And even worse, he was in a position of strength, and the Sabres weren't. He got to dictate to some extent where he went to and where he wanted to be. Kevin Adams pretty much had to make a trade with Boston work. I don't like the trade. I didn't like losing Lazar. And I like getting Anders Bjork for two years at $1.6 million per year on the books. I like that even less. So I'm not a fan of the trades. Who gives a shit, man? Why are you wasting all your energy bitching about something that don't really mean that much in the big picture? Because guess what, folks? If you're a Sabres fan, you know their draft record. Do you think if they would have gotten a late first, they were going to do something good with it? No, no, no. Stop. All right? Stop. Be excited. All right, maybe excited is a strong word. Be intrigued by this team right now because you know what? This looks like a completely different hockey team right now. All right? 4-2-2 two two in their last eight. Don Granado has this team playing some Inspired hockey. I'll use that word inspired because that's they've been playing well. They have. They've been playing with fire. They've been playing with energy, with a chip on their shoulder. They've been gritty. Kevin Adams said it during his press conference on Monday. They were playing with a, a purpose, a freaking purpose. And what a nice break that is when you think about not too long ago how shitty this team was looking, uninspired. Little effort at times, at least that's the way it appeared. Man, that weekend series in Philly, back to, it wasn't even Philly, I think it was in Buffalo, wherever it may have been, who gives a shit? Back-to-back weekend games, afternoon games, matinees, no goals. 
completely lifeless and absolutely embarrassing. I need to give the Sabres a little bit of props here because I've been hard on this team to the point where I have said that this might be the most unlikable team in the history of all the Buffalo sports teams that I've ever followed in my entire existence. That's how much I've hated the Buffalo Sabres this season under Ralph Kruger. And that's why I want to credit here Don Granado because forget the record. And again, 4-2-2 two two over the last eight, just the effort. The, the results, the, the brand of hockey they're playing, it's different. It's night and day different. And it's being anchored by young guys. That's my favorite part about this. That's why I don't give a shit about these trades right now. Who gives a shit? You want to put your energy and your focus into something? Focus on Casey Middlestat, who looks like, by the way, he went from looking like a bust to somebody who might become a star. He looks really, really good right now. Put your focus, instead of giving a shit about what they got for Eric Stahl, Put your focus on Rasmus Asplund right now and ask yourself, why in the hell was this dude not with this team six, eight weeks ago? I don't get it. Put your focus on Dylan Cousins, who looks really good. In fact, he's been one of the bright spots on this team this season, even with Ralph Kruger. I don't know. I'm more focused on Rasmus Dahlin and, and Yoki Haru, two defensemen who look really good right now because earlier this year, they looked like shit. They looked like shit. Rasmus Dahlin earlier this year looked more like Mike Weber to me than he did a generational talent that was the first overall pick a couple of years ago. And don't get me wrong, he's not there yet. He's still got a long way to go, but he's trending in the right way again. He's looking good. He's fun to watch. Yoki Haro looked good last year. He looked trashy this year. He looked like trash. Now he's playing like a top four defenseman again. This is all good stuff, man. You know, Will Borgen is a guy who showed some promise early and then he got hurt. He's coming back soon. So there's pieces on this team that are intriguing. And I'm most intrigued by, at this point, Don Granado. Now, I'm not ready to hand him the job right now today. I'm interested in seeing how the Sabres look over the next 15 games because I know that I think they play like Boston. Their last 15, I should say, or so. I think they play like Boston half those games, ironically. But I because, listen, I remember when Lindy Ruff got fired, I remember Ron Rolson became interim coach and he gave the Sabres a spark initially. They looked good and he got rewarded and rightfully so it felt at the time they took the interim tag off him and then the next season, promptly, of course, because it's Buffalo, right? The Sabres went out and went 4-15-1 in 20 games with him and then he got shit canned. I don't know that that's going to happen with Granado. It could. Who knows? But I don't know, man. I'm, getting, I'm talking myself into a point where this guy deserves a lot of consideration right now. He's earned it. Kevin Adams has said that he's earned that right. And I agree with it. I do. I don't know. So here, here's the point that I'm getting to and kind of going off, uh, getting off track here. I want to be careful. Stop focusing about trades that really aren't going to shape this franchise. It wasn't their rentals, okay? Stahl, Montour. And, and Taylor Hall, they're, they're rentals. They weren't, what they were never going to get nothing crazy significant. Yeah, it would have been nice to get more. It would have been nice to keep Lazar. It would have been nice to, to not have to take Bjork's contract on. I think they had to do that. That was the only way, that, or it was that, or keep Hall and get nothing. So my, my point is this. It's not that big of a deal. Focus your energy more on these young players. And hopefully, I don't know if Jack's going to be back or not, but hopefully 
over these last 15 games, there's still a lot of good that can come from this season. I know that sounds crazy, but here's my attitude towards it. Two things. Number one, and let's say Jack doesn't even come back this year, which for the record, if I'm him at this point, I'm probably not coming back. But we don't know how he feels about the future, his future with this organization. I can't think of a better way to show him that there's promise by continuing to play well with these young guys. I'm sure that's going to mean something to him. And also, and this is the second point, around the league, man, around the league, you play well these last 15 games, you finished pretty strong, and you're sending a message to the rest of the NHL that, yo, it was Ralph Kruger. That's why we played as bad as we did this year. Look at the difference when they got, we got rid of him. Look how much better of a team we are. That might matter to a free agent this summer. It might. That might matter to a guy who has some kind of limited no-trade clause. Maybe he doesn't include the Sabres on, on his NTC. Who knows? So there's still plenty to play for, as, as crazy as that sounds, in some ways. So I'm intrigued, and I'm intrigued about Don Granado, and then, frankly, I'm intrigued about the rest of this season. So anyway, I'll have plenty more, like, Buffalo Sabres coverage on future episodes, and I'll have some of those guys that I mentioned, you know, John and, and Chris and Joe and some of those other people on the podcast. We'll talk Sabres much more in depth than I ever could on my own. But anyway, that is going to do it for today's episode. One more time, very big thank you, Chris and Drew from the Rock Power Report. Make sure you're following them on Twitter at Rock Power Report. Check out their podcast, man. It's really good shit. And honestly, it really is. Good Bill stuff. But beyond that, they share a lot of their personal life. Good stories. Sometimes really funny stories. Definitely worth checking it out. Every Wednesday, every Thursday, Rock Power Report. Also, if you're not already, subscribe to this podcast. We're available on all the podcasting platforms out there. Make sure you're following me on Twitter, at Pat Tweets. I'm always on Twitter, podcast updates, polls, upcoming guests, sports talk, 80s talk, all kinds of shit going on there, at Pat Tweets. Thank you so much for listening. I say it all the time. I truly mean it. It is a blessing to me to have you guys locked in. 30 minutes, 45 minutes, whatever it may be. There's so many great shows out there. And when you're giving me your time and your ears, man, I can't tell you how much it means to me. So thank you very much. Have a good one. By the way, brand new episode coming tomorrow. Buffalo Bills Mock Draft version four with my man from cover one, Aaron Quinn. Talk to you tomorrow. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.